Hello, I'm Pippa Kelly. Welcome to the third series of Well I Know Now, in which I talk to people affected by dementia in various ways. Since launching my podcast last year, I've chatted to people living with dementia, people caring for loved ones, to artists, authors, broadcasters, cartoonists and actors representing, recording and charting the lives of those with the condition. I've spoken to the chief executives and founders of dementia organisations big and small, and each and every one of my guests has taught me something new. About the condition and how it affects us all, about myself, about life and what's important in it. We've mulled over what we know now that we didn't before dementia came into our lives. My mum lived with vascular dementia for her last 10 years. Were I to sum up one of the main things that I know now that I didn't this time last year, which is just about when we went into our first lockdown, it's the huge power of connections, of real skin-to-skin human connections, of bear hugs and whispers of touches, and what we mean to each other and give to each other just by being there. It's often the seemingly smallest things that matter most. The poet Sylvia Plath wrote, Well, I know now a little more about how much a simple thing like a snowfall can mean to a person. And dementia teaches you this too. Now, have you had your hair cut yet? As hairdressers across England open this week and we all rush to be shorn of our unruly lockdown locks, a unique barber is preparing to unwrap his hot flannels lather up his shaving soap and reach for his razor once again. Lenny White, the world's first dementia-friendly barber, lives in Northern Ireland, where, at the time of recording, the date for the reopening of salons and spas had yet to be announced, but it will surely be soon. Before the pandemic hit, Lenny took his skills and all the trappings of his cutthroat profession around the UK and as far afield as America and Canada, setting up shop in two care homes in New York and cutting, pampering and wet shaving Auschwitz survivors in Montreal. Lenny's customers are all special. All live with disabilities or are vulnerable in some way and he concentrates his considerable energies and passion on those with dementia. It seems a strange occupation for a man who worked in sales for 20 years, but from a young age, Lenny has always enjoyed getting to know people. He was just 17 when he first worked in a care home as a kitchen porter. Even then, he liked to wander into the wars and strike up conversations. So when, in 2015, he found himself re-evaluating his life after a divorce, he decided to return to the care sector, first as a carer and then as a care home barber. He'd realised that that wasn't enough to occupy men living there. While many homes boasted women's hairdressing salons complete with soft, feminine, usually pink touches, few, if any, had barbers. Lenny completed a barber's course while still working part-time in sales and started working in Kingsland Nursing Home in Bangor as both a carer and barber. When he posted some of his pictures and stories online, they caught the attention of the Alzheimer's Society who suggested that he attend a dementia-friendly course. He duly did, thus officially becoming Lenny the dementia-friendly barber and utilising to great effect his twin skills of caring and grooming. There's a particular way to cut the hair of people confined to beds and wheelchairs. 
Before COVID locked us all down, Lenny was visiting well over 50 care homes, as well as hospitals and daycare centres, returning every six weeks with his mobile salon, setting up his candy-striped pole, his jukebox full of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, his old-fashioned posters and paraphernalia, scenting the air with a spritz of cologne and Old Spice aftershave, and treating his all-male customers to the full barbering experience. Men love getting together with other men and having a bit of a banter, says Lenny. Just because someone has dementia, it doesn't mean they have to lose out on things like this in a sensory environment. Lenny's learnt a lot from people living with dementia, explaining that he meets them where they're at, slowing himself down and becoming more patient. And he regards it as a privilege to get to know the individuals and their families, sometimes giving head massages and haircuts to men nearing the very end of their lives. In 2017, Lenny's inspirational, pioneering work was recognised by the Northern Ireland Alzheimer's Society when he was honoured for his outstanding contribution at the Dementia Friendly Awards. For Lenny, though, the rewards and support definitely work both ways. These men are waiting for me and I love looking after them, he says, but I don't think they realise how much they are looking after me. They definitely help me. I've found a purpose in looking after them. I just treat them as a friend. Dementia doesn't even come into it. I just see them for who they are. How lovely. And so Lenny White, the world's first dementia-friendly barber, a very warm welcome to Well, I Know Now. Thank you very much. It's great to be on the show today. Yeah, it's good to, good to talk to you, Lenny. That last comment about how much the men look after you, how much they help you, is a really yes. lovely comment. Can you just explain exactly what you meant by that? Yeah, I mean, you know, some days we maybe have a bad day, you're just not feeling 100%, you know, and you make up maybe after a bad dream or something like that, you know, and I just know whenever I'm driving to the care home that morning that these men are waiting for me, you know, I go in and I set up shop and I'm so, I get so excited because I know that they're going to come in and they're just going to have so much fun and so much crack. So when they come in and, that you know, you can see by the smile on their face that, that they're happy to come into a different environment. They're happy to see mm. me as I am to see them. Mm. So with regards to that comment, them helping me, I don't think they realize how much they helped me, you know, because it was after even my divorce. It was a very hard time, you know, and me finding the purpose in life that I had never found. I had never knew the way that my life was going to pan out, that I had never knew that I was going to be a barber, especially a barber in nursing homes. So I was definitely called to do this. It was just at the right time, you know, so that's really where that comment came from. Yes, yes. That's interesting, actually, because although you say you then found your purpose. It seems to me that, you know, when you went into the care home the first time when you were just 17 and you were working in the kitchen, but you, you do say you, you were drawn to, to wander out into the wards and talk to people. Um, so you obviously had a sort of natural affinity for older people, for caring that's 100%. I mean, I felt it so at ease. You know, I was able to go into the wards and some people might feel awkward, you know, or, or fearful. I didn't. I had a peace. I was able to meet 
and get to know them, you know, and speak to them. And I used to love the stories, you know, they're so interesting. Mm. They've lived in when there was no electricity or, you know, no water in their home. And it's just unbelievable, you know, that they could have lived like that, you know, and they've came through it. But obviously that was working in the kitchen and, and that's something I didn't want to do all my life, you know, as in a dishwasher, I knew that I wanted to be something different. Mm. But it just happened to be that I fell into sales, you know, and although I enjoyed the sales, it wasn't what I was called to do. And I mm. stuck sales because... I never had a purpose in the workplace. Mm. I didn't know what I wanted to be or do. Mm. And it wasn't until then that I got divorced that I started to have a think, what could I really do? Mm. What could I do? And it was just by chance that I did the barber course because I had some free time. And I had a son. And I thought, well, if nothing happens from it, at least I'll be able to cut his hair. So you didn't really have any thought about being a, a care home barber at that point? No. No, okay. No. The reason I thought of this going back, the memories and the people I'll always remember in that care home and how I felt mm. and the conversations I had, mm. you know, that's never left me. It's just, I guess, that maybe sometimes I had forgotten that at times. Mm. And it wasn't really until I was in a really bad place in life that all these things, you seem to go backwards in a way, you know, and look for things and mm. back to old friends or back to your own place where you lived. And that's mm. what happened to me. Mm. And I started to think, what makes me happy? Mm. what do I want to do and I knew that I was kind that I really enjoyed looking after people I didn't necessarily want to be a full-time carer okay Mm. I knew that my purpose was going to be something different and it wasn't until I started doing the barbering that I was able to combine the two that Mm. I would be able to care for people Mm. I was able to put on a wee show to do the barbering Mm. to create scenes that they would be familiar with I love going to the barber shop Mm. you know I really love that and I knew the men had missed out because they weren't getting that. They weren't able to get to the barber shop and they were getting wheeled into a hairdresser. They would never have went most to a hairdresser when they were young mm. or, you know, 30, 40, 50. They would have went to a proper barber shop. Mm. And that's what something that in the world that was missing. You know, they didn't have that. They didn't have a barber shop. It was just maybe a unisex, but it was more tailored for the ladies. Yeah, I'd never yeah. really thought about that. But I, I've never encountered a barber shop or anything like it within a care no. home. No, it was always your old little fashioned room, which was made up for the ladies with, you know, old mm. fashioned pictures with rollers in their hair and the mm. all would have been pink. Gowns for the ladies, nothing mm. for the men, no barber mm. cape, no barber shop memorabilia, nothing like that. It was something different mm. and it was really made for me. The universe was waiting for me to do it. Mm. It's a sensory experience. It's very good for people with dementia. Very, very good because, you know, you've got the likes of the lights. So if someone comes in and maybe they're late stage dementia, maybe they don't talk, you know, mm. they can't communicate. They'll recognize the barber and that memory, they'll know that that is a barber pole. Mm. They know they're coming into the barber shop or it's maybe a music. They might be listening to a song they used to remember and a tear might come down their face. If mm. people say my, my dad used to play that song. It's mm. sparking those memories and those words to songs. You can get that little fit tapping along to the music. Mm. I would say the music has been the most powerful tool. Yes. The jukebox was just the best thing to do. To yes. that in. The music, to listen to music they're familiar with. Yes. Some people have spoke words and communicated um, that they haven't spoken for a long, long time, which is just unreal. It is. It and is. It's it- just amazing. Yes, it's, it's one of my great passions, actually, the power of music for people with dementia, even late stage yeah. dementia. It is. There are neurological reasons why that really, really sort of brings people alive. Actually, also smell is a very sort of profound sense, isn't it? When you smell oh, yes. anything, you know, I know if I smell oh, yes. a perfume I used to wear when I was 16, I'm right back at school. 
why you could even remember where you were. You might mm-hmm. have been at a nightclub or a pub mm-hmm. or a date mm-hmm. at the cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the, the older gentlemen will still use the old-fashioned aftershaves. Yes. And they'll stick to the same one. So I tend to stick with the Old Spice and the Brit are the two ones that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and just a wee dash. It just makes them feel good. You know, when you smell good, you look good, you feel good. Absolutely. And it's very interesting how there's perhaps not as much for men because you have often, you know, manicurists will go in as well. Beauticians will do a woman's nails, but there's nothing really for men like that. It's very interesting how that they've almost been neglected, really. So, yes, I mean, predominantly there is more women in care homes with regards to staffing and the residents, you know, there mm. would be more women. Yes. And there really isn't as much for the men to do in care homes. You know, you have so many things for the ladies. You get, they get their hair done every week. They get, you know, yeah. their nails done. They get their hands soaked in water. And really men don't really do that, you know, at that mm. age, you know. Mm. Mm. Uh, not to say they wouldn't enjoy it, because I'm sure they would. Mm. But it's just something I think that was missing, you know, uh, especially with like activity therapists. So it's really... It's getting somebody to think outside the box, mm. you know, to bring it right back to what do men, what do they do? They like woodwork, they like working with their hands, they like mm. a wee pint of beer, they like getting together with all the men, having a bit of chat, mm. um, talking about old times. And that's what I do. And I can get away with things that the, maybe the women wouldn't ask or wouldn't say, you know, the things like, where did you used to go dancing? And did you used mm. to, and tell me how you used to, you know, get the girl to dance? Yeah. And did she give you, how did you ask for a kiss at the end of the night? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it was just so lovely how they yeah. did things back in the day. You know, times have changed so much. Yeah. They, yeah. they really are proper gentlemen and just treated their women right yeah. and worked hard for the families, you know. Yes. And I think that's in this generation, you know, um, yeah. I think a lot of that is missing. It's quite sad. Yeah, no, so, no, it's lovely to, to to get back to those sort of values, isn't it? It and, is, oh, definitely. And it's right, you know, that how much it triggers the memories because I know that there were just a couple of examples, and I'm sure there are more, of one man who, his dementia was quite severe, but when you started to wet shave him, he started to sort of say, oh, no, I always shaved down my face. He suddenly, right. you know, he remembered and he wanted you to do it that way. Yeah, he yeah. remembered. Well, I did up and down, but he mm. wanted it. And the way he did it, no, no, shave down. And he told me, yes. no, shave down. Yes. And that's why I then started and I did shave down then. Yes. And he was happy. That was nice because he was telling me he was in charge. Yes. He was telling me how he likes to be shaved. Yes. And I think that's so important. We're all different. Yes. Um, and he was, and back, some in, people he was like, back in charge again, wasn't he? Which is, which is he great. was back in charge. He mm. was back in charge. He was telling me what to do. Mm. And mm. I was working for him which Mm. was absolutely lovely. Because that means I learned something as well. You know, Mm. don't always assume, you know what I mean? And for him to tell me the correct way for him that he liked it was him in control. So Mm. it was nice. Mm. I know you did this dementia-friendly course, and I'm just wondering how much that taught you, because you seem to have things almost come naturally to you. You know, when you said you just take people with dementia obviously for what they are and you you sort of meet them where they're at and this sort of thing how much was that natural within you and what if anything did you learn from the actual dementia friendly course I think for me naturally I would say about 90% came naturally like I say I picked a lot of that up when I was young and I just reverted back right into that you know I haven't been in that situation working with those living with dementia for so many years near, near 20 years but I was instantly on that first day I was able to go this is how I felt back when I was 17. I just feel totally at ease, mm. totally at peace. I can go along with any conversation mm. and I can make this person feel good, feel loved and feel secure with me, you know. 
but it was really, um, yes, I mean, it was only a two-hour course, so it was quite quick. Mm. But yes, it definitely took us through all the different side effects of people that live with dementia, all the high effects of family, all the different mm. types of dementia. You know, mm. that was really good. Mm. Um, you know, even the one that uh, relates to alcohol, Kosakoff's, that's mm. what alcohol-related. You would, mm. I didn't know about that. Yes, Kosakoff syndrome. It's a memory disorder caused by vitamin B1 deficiency, commonly caused by alcohol misuse. So it was a lot of information, but a lot of the stuff that I have learned is really from me doing it. Mm. It's really from learning how you know what way things work. You know, mm. for example, I'll give you an example. If I'm going to cut somebody's hair in a barber shop and a client comes in and I squirt water in their head, that wouldn't affect them. Mm. If I was standing behind somebody with living with dementia and I squirted water on their head without telling them, yes. that would frighten them. Yes. They would jump. That might feel like razor blades on their head to yes. them. Mm-hmm. So what I will have to do is I will have to tell that mm. customer, I'm just going to put a, a bit of water on your head mm. and mm. I will squirt it under my hand and I will dab it gently on the head. Mm. So those things are slightly different. Mm. You know, I'll maybe bend down to their level, mm. um, speak to them, you know, tell them each step, I'm going to cut your hair and I'm going to do your ears. So mm. just let them know exactly what I'm going to be doing. So mm. you don't frighten them. They're not going to not know what you're doing, basically. Mm. And I think that's really important in what I do. Mm. It's taking them through that journey. Yes. No, I remember when my mum was in a care home or a nursing home, in fact, and uh, her dementia was quite severe. And some of the carers did that so naturally. And I remember the care home manager talking to me and saying, yeah, well, you wouldn't like it, would you? If a stranger came up to you and suddenly sort of pushed you almost into a shower and turned the water on without saying anything. And you just think, actually, of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't, you know, you're just getting dragged out. You know, mm. you have to, that person is a human being. Mm. And if they cannot speak anymore or they can't walk, it doesn't make them any less a human being. Exactly. They're, yeah. They are just exactly like me, yeah. like you. Yeah. Um, it's just they're on that different stage in life and somewhere where we might be ourselves. Yeah. So it's really important that we treat them with just respect. Yes. And with kindness and just for who they are. Absolutely. The human beings, you know, yes. the human beings. Yes. And that's the thing that I love because I don't see any difference whatsoever. I mean, that person is just my friend and I'm there to offer them a service, a service that they would have had all their lives. And it's just the small things, you know, families love their loved ones to be looked after. Of course, like you know yourself, I've mm. been a daughter. Mm. Someone lived with dementia, I'm sure you and your mum was getting their hair cut. You should mm. look better. Mm. It just was your mum, you know. Mm. A lot of my clients, their relatives, like, oh, that's just as my dad again. It's just the way he used to look. Every day would have wore a shirt, a tie, and he can't even do his button now. So it's yeah. me as offering them a little bit of dignity back. You You're know? so right, yeah. Lenny. And in, in fact, there is something lovely about a man like that because I remember when my father was also very ill not with dementia but actually he was so incapacitated that he couldn't do anything at all you know even fed by a tube and he couldn't move at all and we did sort of almost by chance have a Polish young Polish lad who would come and he would shave my dad I mean he used to come and they used to talk French together because they could both speak French you know even though they one was Polish and one was English so they their, their common language was French and they used to chat away And I remember going to see my dad, you know, and he'd had a really nice, wet, close shave that Marius had given him. And I hadn't thought about that, but he looked Mm -hmm. just much more like my dad again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does. And it's lovely. I mean, that makes you feel good because you know that your daddy or mum is getting, they're getting looked after. And you could see that dad looked, looked better. You know, he he was happier, as you rightly say, because of course it's lovely when, yeah. 
you mentioned there about touch for me touch is a massive thing just that little handshake you know, mm. to greet that person to come in mm. that warm handshake uh, if you're walking behind them and just even to put your hands on their shoulders oh, hello Jimmy how are you today mm. and just that touch is mm. really important mm. I find that's really effective and especially if someone is maybe getting agitated mm. or they're having a bad day if I just even that wee touch of the shoulder they're in mm. a wee rub of the back just to reassure them you're okay mm. you know this is about your barbershop you're safe I'm Lenny mm. I'm going to look after you and a wee bit of music and you know so touch is really important was your mum in the caring profession or? Not for long, but yeah, my mum would have been a carer for a few years mm-hmm. um, whenever I was young. My dad was a painter and decorator. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, for me, I was always a very happy child. I was always interested in people. Mm-hmm. I was always very hurt if someone was to get hurt. I, mm-hmm. I, I, that made me feel bad. Mm-hmm. And I always want to see the best in people to make people feel good you know when when I make people feel good it makes me feel good mm. it satisfies me I don't really know where that comes from but I know that it works because if they're happy I'm happy you're a people person and you're a kind person well I mean I've just interviewed just come out this week actually a podcast with a, a chap called George Coxon who's a care homeowner and he mm. says the the most important sort of word on a list of words for him to do with care homes is the word kind you know, I think everybody's got to be, and sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life and the stresses of life, we perhaps forget that. We get a bit caught up in our own lives. And I suppose caring, the more I talk to people in the caring world, which I've never mm-hmm. been in professionally, it's sort of different when it's, you know, your mum and dad, but sort of professionally to other people, the more they yeah. are giving people. I don't mean they're giving things to people. I mean, they themselves are people who want to give. I think sometimes in life I refer to, you know, givers and takers or sappers people who kind of, of sap course. you and people who give you lots of energy yeah. and all the yeah. good carers I speak to are, are givers in that sense givers the givers they enjoy it you know they, yeah. they get satisfied by yeah looking after that people they're good moms or good dads yes and that's back to your point of what the men or, gave you or it might be they, they, they didn't have that as a child it could be as well you know there's many mm. many reasons why mm. I was very loved as a child I had a good family mm. and we're very close all, all my aunties and uncles are very very funny mm. and we're witty as well you know we've got good personalities yes so I think that definitely helps in the job that I do everyone always says to me that is just perfect for your personality that job it does seem to be it's just yes. perfect it is and it is and it's something that I never have had before until I started it you know, because I was always in sales and I never really realized that, yes, it actually is. And for for me personally to find out what I'm good at, what I'm definitely called to do in this this life, it was amazing yes. to realize that I, I finally, this is what it is. Yeah. All those years, I wondered, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? Yeah. Am I going to go through life and retire in a job that I was unsatisfied in? And that's what I thought that my life was going to be. And for that to happen, you know, through tragedy, because if it wasn't really through my divorce, Mm. this would never have happened. It's funny how from bad can come good sometimes. And it really did. And, you know, from that divorce, I was catapulted into a completely different opening, which Mm. I I could never even imagined it would be like that Mm. or dreamt of. Mm. So I'm very, very blessed to do what I do. Mm. Um, and to be trusted in very unique situations. Yes, which say. I wanted to ask you about the end of life care that you, you know, when mm. you're, tell us a little bit about that, just, you know, without naming yeah. names or anything, but one or two of the experiences you've had there, because obviously that is an yeah. enormous privilege to be with somebody. It is. I mean, you might have someone like little Jimmy, for example, or Samuel, who doesn't have any family. Mm. 
and nobody comes to see him. And, you know, he might be walking one minute, fine. I go in the next time, six weeks later, and he's just completely off his feet. He has went downhill mm. and he is end of life. He has days to live. Mm. And I will be asked, you know, could you go in and give him his last haircut? Mm. And it's just it's just lovely to go in mm. and to know that I have been able to, to do that for him, mm. that I've been able to make him look good. And even if he's not able to talk, at least I know that I he looks good mm. and I've given him his last pamper session. And then there's families that ring me. They know it's their last daddy's last couple of days or last mm. week and they want they want his last trim. You know, mm. so it's sad, you know, it's really sad because, you know, you're not going to see him again. And you built up this relationship with families, you know, because you're on that journey. Mm. You know, you're on their journey with them. You see the decline mm. over the years, you know, and the change in, in their daddy. And it's really sad. Mm. You know, it's really sad. But it's for me, it's again, it's a privilege that these people entrust me into their lives. Mm. And it's it's a connection that we, we get then connected on Facebook and Instagram and we all mm. keep in contact that way, you know. So mm. um, it's lovely. It really is lovely. Mm. Mm. Oh, I can hear that when you talk about it. And uh, yeah. And so you must have been pretty sort of, dev- well, of course, we've all been devastated by COVID. But for you in your profession, it meant that you couldn't go into the care homes, couldn't do the barbering. Yeah. What have you been doing over the last year and what are your plans when, because you haven't got this date yet, have you, in Northern Ireland, but it's got to be soon, presumably. Yeah, I mean, go back to when COVID hit. I mean, my goodness, it was a kick in the teeth. That was for me, like, because I've been known as, if anyone sees me, it's, you know, Lenny, the dementia friendly barber. I sort of lost Lenny a wee bit for a couple of years Mm. (laughs) because everyone everyone didn't really know Lenny, the new Lenny, the dementia friendly Mm. barber. So that was quite weird, you know, for me to lose that business identity over days was just like a bit of a a shock but it really was hard but I wasn't working for a long time I was on self-employed grants from the government and stuff like that and Mm. I was able to get things done in the house and I enjoyed it you know for a time it Mm. was good and the sun was out and the weather was brilliant and Mm. yeah I could have got used to it for another few months but Mm. you know I needed to get back into work you Mm. know I was getting the stage where bills needed to be paid and the Mm. money wasn't there you know so I was very blessed it was a friend of mine had rang me one day to see if I knew anybody looking for a job in, mm. in a telecoms situation. And I said, well, yes, me. Mm. And it was amazing because it was a friend of mine who I had worked with 20 odd years ago in one of my best sales jobs Wow! and was with our old boss. So it was like, oh, my goodness, this is meant to be. This is just yes. like amazing. And I've been working for a company now called Fibrous. And we actually... Uh, I should plan all rural locations so anywhere in the country that doesn't have broadband. So it's a really, really good opportunity. It's a new thing. Mm, mm. It's a new opportunity and it's been backed by the government and it's amazing. So I'm working from home doing that. I love it. We have a really good team and it's a very, very good company. Mm -hmm. And I've been very lucky to get that job. So my plan going forward is to try and do both because I enjoy this company. I do enjoy the sales a wee bit. You know, I do like that. I, I'm, I'm used to it. Yes, it suddenly struck me when you were talking about the caring capacity in you. Mm-hmm. And we sort of were saying it's because you're a people person and you yeah. empathise with people and that. And it was on the tip of my tongue and I didn't want it to sound sort of cynical. Um, and I didn't mean it that way, but I wondered if that helped you in sales because I was thinking, gosh, I'd like to buy something off you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, you... definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It does because I mean, but I've always been very natural. You know, I would never lie on the phone or anything like that. Yeah. I would always just be me. Mm. And I think people buy in. That's what my mm. old manager might. People mm. don't buy the product, Lenny. They buy you. Mm. They buy your personality. 
mm. about your personality. So I was able to use my skills in my barber and my sales because I was able to then business wise, I was able to promote my own business mm. with the sales experience I had gained over the years, you mm. know. But yes, I've been working with them since November mm. and we are just waiting on a date for reopening. The thing about me is I'm slightly different to a normal barber. So whenever the date is opened for normal barbers to go back, I may not be allowed back into the care homes just yet. Mm, mm. I'm sure it'll not be too long away. I've been getting many messages from my clients, my care homes, mm. to say they cannot wait for me to get back because, you know, Jerry, his hair is down to his knees. Oh, yes, <laughs> you yes. Know? You know, because the hairs are just, and yes, their eyebrows and their nose hairs and all the wee things that I would have done, you know, to keep them looking good. Yes. Uh, and the hair grows so when you get older, you know, the hairs and the nose and eyebrows, they grow so much so quick. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me about it too. So, um, but there's nobody there to do it for them, you know, so yeah. I'll be there to help them. And that first day will probably be a long day because it's going to take me quite a long time, I would say, per client to strip yeah. back some of the locks that they have yes. gained over the last few months. Yes. And you said as well uh, that it's really only 10% is the bar bringing away because it's exactly. having a bit of crack, as you yeah, put it, exactly. in, in Ireland, you know, exactly. having a gossip, oh, having a bit of fun. Yeah. The hair for me is minor. Yeah. For me, it's more of the meeting, the greeting, mm. the getting the men together, mm. um, the bit of crack, a bit of banter, listen to the music, mm. me having a wee dance and making them laugh. You know, if you were sitting there all day in a care home thinking about life and what you can't do anymore, I mean, it's not easy. It's difficult, mm. 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 And mm. especially if you're compass mentis, you know what I mean? Mm. It's really important to really make these men and women feel feel wanted. Mm-hmm. and feel important mm. and, because and they t- are important tell me how you got to go into these care homes and places in america in new york and, and in montreal to, and, and how you were you know reactions you got there and how, how it happened i'll speak about the montreal one i became friends with a lady who worked in montreal who worked in a day mentor for the outfit survivors and mm. we connected and it just so happened to be that there was a recommendation made and she said to me, well, we would love to have you. I said, well, it's doable. And yeah, they invited me over. They pay for my flight. They pay for my accommodation. And then I worked voluntarily for a week. And I was able to work for Monday to Friday in a day centre, meeting various different men and women. And I would have put on my barber shop for a few hours per day. And these men absolutely loved it. These mm-hmm. The families were so overjoyed. They just became friends. It was lovely, but it was just so nice to be looking after people who had horrendous past who had been mm. gone through something that we only mm. oh, imagine the pain. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. man, his, his whole family were killed. His mm. his sister went in with two kids and she escaped and he escaped when they were like 14 and she might have been 18, something like mm. that. And um, she had to leave her two kids. They were killed. Oh my and God. yeah, they both, when they were talking, the both men cried. Yeah, they sure. cry every time they talk about it. Mm. Every time they think about it, they cry. Mm. Mm. They showed me their their numbers, their stamps mm. on their arms. Mm. Mm. And one of the men was saying that that I remind him of a poet. I'm a barber, but I'm a poet. Oh. The way that I tell a story with my work. Yes. The way I touch the little handshake, the the gestures, the hand on the shoulder, the yes. The little rub of the face, the head massage. He mm-hmm. said it just reminded him of its poetry and barbering. And I've never heard that before. Yes. And I thought yeah. that was lovely. I'll always remember. I'll never forget that. Yes. 
And yeah. these people must have been fairly old, really quite old, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, were... 90s, mm. early 90s. Yeah. But still very able, mm. still very active and mm. still really funny. And some with, yes, living with dementia, maybe mm. early stages of mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. as well. And uh, tell me about New York, the care homes in New York. And... Yeah, so New York, my goodness, New York, New York. So I, I teamed up with the Alzheimer's Society in New Jersey. And there's also Alzheimer's Society in New York. But I go and see friends around Boxing Day. I would go until just after New Year's. My my birthday is New Year's Eve. So I like to be in New York for New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I teamed up with the Alzheimer's Society. I said, that, you know, I'm coming out on a certain date. And this is what I offer. And I would love to offer my services for free to these men for a couple of days mm-hmm. while I'm there. So what I usually do is I bring in my green T-shirt. Um, it's Ireland's first dementia-friendly barber. I'll bring in, you know, the old CDs with the Irish music. Mm-hmm. And I offer these men an Irish barber day. And it's just lovely because these men will come in and they'll be listening to the Irish music and we'll be singing along and, you know, they'll be talking about St. Patrick's Day and mm. they'll be talking about how, you know, they're 10% Irish and <laughs> where they visited in Ireland or they haven't yeah. been, they'd love to go yeah. and, um, and all that sort of thing. But I think it's just so lovely to be able to work in the environment in a different country. But for me, which I find really, really interesting was although we go to these places and, you know, it's a different world, you know, we're on the other side of the world mm. Um everything's different how they do things is different how the places look is different they're bigger care homes more luxurious but the one thing that i find that was that was really interesting that wasn't different and it really stood out to me Mm. it made me realize that Mm. no matter where you go Mm. dementia is not different yeah how these men and women are reacting to dementia how it affects them how it affects Mm. their families Mm. you know some of them don't communicate Mm. it's all the same thing as back home you know you know I I find it exactly the same I could have been working anywhere so Mm. no matter where I go no matter what I do it doesn't matter of language I could be working in China I could work in France and I don't even speak English I don't have to speak Mm. Mm. to these people I know it's communication Mm. it's sensory it's touch, mm. it's smell, mm. it's all those things. It's a mm. smile, mm. it's a handshake. That's such an interesting point, isn't it? Such an interesting it point. In your language, it really is. Is your it, it is your barbering, but it's your kindness. It's, uh-huh. you know, the affection you show, the respect you show. And, and of course, yeah. dementia is the same. You could be rich, poor, royal. Exactly. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it you are. It doesn't matter who. It has no bounds. You know, mm. it has no favourites. Yes, but you can talk to them. You can relate through through what you do. And that's fantastic. And and I, I know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that before COVID and everything, you did have plans to expand. You know, you had big yeah. uh, plans to go global, as it were. And yeah. I mean, were you going to do it through franchises perhaps or what was your idea and will you do you think you'll take that up again or are you now going to do your half and half with half sales well i would love if I, if it was possible i would love to turn this into a charity that mm. would be my dream mm. and to offer my services for free mm. um to care homes because obviously I, it's, it's a job i have to pay the bills mm. But I would rather not take any money off anybody by doing it. And a lot of my work, I do do voluntarily. I do do wee ones I don't charge, you know. Mm. But um, I would love if I could, if someone could help me with that. You know, I don't Mm. know where to go and where to turn to. But that would be my dream, to Mm. turn this into a charity worldwide. Mm. Because it is needed. It's so needed for people to, 
understand, you know, it is so important for these men to, you know, have a barber. It's respect, isn't it? It goes yeah, to the I mean, respect. The women, I mean, the women get their mm. hair done every week. Well, why can't the men get their hair done every, mm. by a barber every two, three weeks? You know, it's mm. just that experience. Even if the person doesn't need loads taken off, it, even that just little coming in, sitting in the shop, Mm, you know mm, a, a mm. light trim that mm. makes all the difference yeah because as you say actually it works on so many levels doesn't it it does it works I, yeah. at a very basic level because it is making somebody smarter i love the way you said that these men you know would have been putting their suits and ties on exactly now they can't but absolutely no reason why they can't still look yes. smart and you can help them to do that but then exactly. along with that goes the sensory side of it that lovely feeling of having your head touched the water the soap the hands on the skin these human connections which we're all missing at the moment you know so it really works it would be it wonderful does. and the fact it really does that, that you were the first dementia friendly barber i was shows that it isn't happening no, there has been, since I've started now, there has been people that have, have done the same thing. I'm sure. Um, yes, you've given me the idea. Dublin, we, yeah, of course, we have Dublin's Dementia Friendly Barber. We have a few other ones. Mm. And that's brilliant because, mm. you know, mm. it's so needed, but mm. there just still isn't enough. Mm. I mean, we need to have one in every town. Mm. You know what I mean? Because mm. look how many hairdressers we have in care homes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that made me different. It wasn't mm. hard for me to come into a care home because potentially the hairdresser was losing business at the start of my business there was a lot of conflict you know the hairdressers didn't like me because I was coming in and I was taking their business well you would only take the men anyway wouldn't you at the most but still you know, it wasn't easy I was getting a lot of oh, conflict at the time but it wasn't my decision it was the management they seen that what I offered was completely different than what mm. the hairdressers mm. offered mm. and it was just it is what it is and the staff even said themselves you know it's uh well, what you offer, you mean the, the hairdressers don't shave them, they don't do their eyebrows, ears and nose. Mm. It's not a barber shop. Mm. But no, it hasn't all been easy. And mm. it isn't easy. Some days I go in and I do have hard days. Mm. I do have struggles. I do have clients that are not feeling good, that are just mm. having a bad day, that are mm. um, having downhill big time. They've given up. Mm. And that's so sad, you know what I mean? Mm. And it's really our job to try and pick You must up. sometimes go back, uh, Lenny, and somebody won't be there. Of course, every time, mostly I go back and Samuel isn't there. Mm. He's passed away and mm. I'm so shocked because, you know, he was totally fine when I was with him the last time. Mm. But in those six weeks, you know, mm. pneumonia's kicked in or mm. he's, he's died instantly or something's happened. Mm. And it's like, I can't believe that. I'm so shocked. Mm. And then it takes you back to the time, okay, you know, I, I didn't know that was going to be his last haircut, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, mm. yeah, it's, it is sad. There's a lot of loss with the job that I do, with being carers and uh, mm. obviously nurses go through that the same thing. There's so much mm, loss mm, mm. because you're losing people that you have connected with weekly. Mm. You lose a loved one. It's really hard. You know, it is hard. You lose friends, but you don't lose them every week. Yes, it's a lot, isn't it? If you're using, it's a lot. It's so the I'm, numbers, I'm, I mean. Mm. Yeah, it's the numbers, it's the people, it's the people you get to know. Mm. And you're losing people quite a lot. And it's mm. quite scary. Mm. You know, but it is what it is, mm -hmm. and that is the circle of life. But you just have to, you know, live for the day. Mm. I know that the last time I seen that person, that I, you know, we had a good time. Yes, and, and you that's made really all that you made it better. You know, you made what time they had left better. Of course, made yeah. an impression, and mm. again, they made an impression on me. Mm. You know, so mm. it's a two-way thing. Mm. Oh well, Lenny, thank you so much for talking to me. I loved the idea as soon as I sort of heard about it. 
and you are just the right person to do it. You can tell just by talking to you. So very best of luck going forward and we'll have to keep in touch so I can see how you how you get on. Oh, definitely. Thank you, you so much. Yeah, no, great to talk to you. Brilliant. And have a lovely day. <laughs> Thanks, Lenny. Lenny White is a natural born giver. He's kind, generous spirited, sensitive to other people. And in his role as a dementia friendly barber, he's found his calling. I'd never thought about the lack of personal grooming for men in care homes. Lenny's filled such a gap there. And barbering, as he said, is really only one small part of what he does. It's the crack, the banter, the getting together, the touch, a wee rub of the shoulders, he put it so well, the evocative smells. The music of the men's youth brings their memories flooding back. It's poetry in barbering. Treating people with dignity and respect and treating everybody the same, whether or not they are old or young, with or without dementia, that person is just my friend, says Lenny. I think we all need a Lenny in our life and I wish him all the luck in the world with his future plans. Wouldn't it be wonderful if his vision for a dementia-friendly barbering charity became a reality. And finally, if you've enjoyed listening today, I would be very, very grateful if you would rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform or channel you're listening to it on, as this will help spread the word about the podcast. And then together, perhaps we can further diminish the stigma increase the knowledge, and quash the myths surrounding dementia.